0: This is the Paul List Podcast, daily critical and cultural engagements with the world of comics. I'm 2 on Twitter at TWOPLAI. Every day I dialogue with a comic book. My perspective is as an observer, a critic, an academic, and a teacher. Sometimes that means I get a little philosophical. Sometimes I get a little spiritual. Since I do an analysis of a comic book every day for about 20 minutes, I do get into the details, so I suggest that you buy the book and read it first, whether you get it from a local retailer or digitally, uh, before you listen. Yes, that is a spoiler warning. So this is my first go. It's uh, Wednesday, June 22nd, and this is my first go at uh, actually recording an episode where I've Read something, and I'm going to talk about it and do some analysis discussion of uh, what I've been thinking about, as I promised in the first episode. Um, if you haven't checked that out, uh, wherever you found this, you should be able to find that. So, really, this is episode one, <laughs> if we call that intro an intro. Um, the first book I wanted to take on, because it's a, a Wednesday, Wide World of Comics day, uh, is to really go kind of step outside of the box of my familiarity. Maybe not the best move for a first run, but I figured, you know, why not take a risk? That's what this thing's all about. Um, and so I've gone to probably the area of comics that I know the least about. Um, I read a ton of comics in all different arenas, but but you know, um, the world of bande dessinée, uh, and <laughs> you're gonna find out just how provincial I am and how terrible I am in my French pronunciation uh, throughout the course of this, I won't even be able to say most, many of the names that are involved here, but uh, I'm going to be reading a European comic, um, it's called Esteban, uh, and I'll give you a little background about it, um, uh, but the author, the name is is Matthew Bonhomme, I believe that's how you say it, uh, B-O-N-H-O-M-M-E, <laughs> actually that may not be how you say it, I don't know how to pronounce French. I studied Spanish uh, anyway um it's a it's a it's a workout and I think there's four volumes out uh you know in sort of the roughly fifty page format that European comics tend to come out in um, and uh it's it's released published through Europe comics now Europe comics is a uh what do you call it it's sort of a a uh it's it's a it's a digital enterprise. <laughs> it's a uh, really Franco-Belgian comics um, uh, that are that sort of gather a whole bunch of European uh, BD companies. BD is is short for bande Um and they publish, they translate, and publish and release in digital format um, in order to sort of broaden exposure for various European comics, which, you know, c- might be of tremendous quality and um, and are doing interesting things in comics, but, you know, is, is sort of shut off from the uh, uh, anglophone, broader anglophone world. And so it's really about delivering uh, Europe comics. You can check them out at europecomics.com. Um, it's really about delivering European comics to uh, English readerships. And so uh, they've been releasing quite a lot of work. It's, it seems like every week there's just this huge output of stuff that, you know, of course, they have this vast back catalog of European comics from all these 13 publishers that are part of their uh, their group. And uh, and the one that we're looking at today is called Esteban, as I said. And it's a series that I think was originally released um, in French, I believe, in, uh it started in 2005. And the four... Uh, the four uh, uh, chapters or the four uh, installments have been titled The Whaler," Esteban the Whaler," Esteban Hunted, Esteban Survival, and the most recent one, Esteban Prisoners at the Ed- Edge of the World. Now, I'm not going to be talking about all four of them in detail. Um, I've read about uh, halfway through the third one, and I'm really just going to touch on the, uh, the opening volume. But um, I-, I think it's a great... Uh, Intro. It's a great uh, little uh, dip, dipping your toe in the waters of European comics. If you want a little bit of exposure to something different, um, I think for most of us Americans, we come to know European comics primarily through some of the longer running and you know super well established uh, uh, titles that have come into our culture. Tintin being probably the most prominent Franco-Belgian comic that comes to mind. Herge's you know, masterwork of many years. Um, but, but probably other ones are known to us. Um, the Smurfs for my generation through the, the, the television cartoon um, or Asterisk or Asterix or uh, Lucky Luke uh, may be known to, to some readers. Esteban uh, and its, its creator um, are more recent. Uh, as I said, 2005, I believe, is the original publication um, in, in native language of Esteban the Whaler and uh, and I think more recently released uh, in English through Europe Europe comics so you can you can find it at europecomics.com. uh you know I, I can I got mine on the Kindle um, which is a, a format that uh, that's great for reading for reading it uh, unless you're actually reading it on a black and white Kindle that's a terrible idea um, uh, especially because the colors on this are gorgeous um, colors not by Bonhomme, uh Let me give credit where it's due. I believe the the colorist's name, if I can uh, get myself to that page. There's um, uh, Delphine Chedru, C H E D R U, uh, to give that colorist their appropriate credit. Um, It's an adventure comic, and um, you know, kind of in the vein of of you know, if you have read Tintin or you know about Tintin, there's. you know a certain element of su- suspense a certain uh you know feeling of a throwback to well an earlier era not just because it's set in the turn of the 20th century um in uh, a whaling <laughs> on a whaling ship um off the coast of chile um around the cape horn uh you know, it seems like a, it's a ship of whalers of European descent, but the main character, Esteban, is an Indian young man who, um, you know, all of these issues start with a, a brief sort of six-page-ish uh, introduction to the story. And in the very first one, you meet Esteban himself, and uh, you find out what happened to his uh, his family and how he becomes separated from his his uh indigenous community and uh as the story progresses uh i won't give away too much uh, because i realize that even though i mentioned spoilers uh many many of my listeners may not have read this book um i I think this is more of a a pitch and, and encouragement to to go out and and check it out uh but uh as the story begins you follow esteban this uh, young Indian, um, this young man, as he's been become separated, isolated from his family and his community, and makes his way uh, they, uh, as a sort of a runty, <laughs> small, uh, you know, and, and obviously uh, racially other uh, young young kid, uh, makes his way onto this whaling ship, and um, he's got to convince the captain. He's got to you know uh, prove himself among the other sailors and and these sailors are exactly what you'd expect of sailors salty and and rough and tough and uh you know captain's got a big old scar because uh, covering one eye uh, <laughs> and so he's kind of a one-eyed no, no eye patch on this uh sailor <laughs> but uh he's definitely a little bit uh, pirate like as as we come to see um anyway Esteban Uh, does make his way onto the ship and of course the adventures ensue from there Uh, i mentioned that they're whalers and so what they do is they they travel off the the um you know from from the port of chile uh i think and they travel around the cape horn to parts of the ocean where at least in this time uh it's all kinds of whales are bountiful they're collecting blubber you kind of follow esteban to the the bottom decks of the ship where there are is that right? The bottom decks? I don't know. Whatever the the belly of the ship, where there are these huge barrels, uh, meant to collect it, blubber, um, and of course used for all of the uses of um, uh, you know whatever markets of trade that um, that are just I don't know populating Europeans into the Americas at this time. Uh, and so, so as soon as you begin to read and as I describe some of the aspects of this, this story and this premise you have to start to wonder a little bit about the the well, I, I guess the often word used is representation the representation here of in a, a, a native community an Indian community um, in South America, the representation of Europeans the representation of these, um, these whalers uh, whether they're made into heroes, whether that is part of a, um, I don't know, a certain narrative that these adventure stories fed into about, uh, colonialism, imperialism, uh, whatever, westward expansion, expansion into the Americas, um, and, you know, in some ways the, um, the, uh, you know, mass slaughter of, of indigenous peoples. And, um, you know, I I think I would summarize my reading, my take about those kinds of issues in this story um, with what I tend to call, and I'm I'm sure other scholars have articulated this better. Um, I've got to find them in the world of comic studies and and learn how to to talk about them this way. Uh, hopefully, I'll get there in time. Uh, but what I think of as a, a kind of subtle genre subversion, where, mm, and I think this. Is Quite true, in a lot of the uh, sort of popular storytelling, popular arts, where there's something really appealing about a prior genre, but you know that in the modern sensibility and with the modern, um, with our modern sensitivities to, to history, we can't tell the same old stories that uh, we used to. Uh, we is probably the wrong pronoun. They can't tell the same old stories that they used to, without referencing an awareness of the problematic uh uh you know colonial history that's there um without an awareness of uh you know prior versions of these stories that represented uh natives people native peoples indigenous peoples as you know whether it be noble savages or uh you know you you name it um and the stories are Are plentiful and they're really part of um, the uh, the cultural construction of these peoples. That you know, I guess, contributed to their um, to their whether it's subjugation or rationalizing uh, racism or or whatever. That problematic history, you know, I think in a story that is trying to recoup the sense of adventure and the sense of Excitement that is in, um, you know, a story of a bunch of, sh- of sailors on a ship and the, the, the threats that they face on the high seas and, you know, the, the adventures of whaling that, you know, in kind of a Moby Dick fashion represents some larger um, enterprise, some larger human enterprise, enterprise of, of bravery and, and so forth. Uh, or, or foolhardiness, <laughs> um, you can't tell that story the same the way that the the way that you used to. And I think Bonhomme is aware of this. From what I can tell, he is a white man, uh, but uh, he ha he tells the kind of story that might exist in that prior era. Um, and again, the story is set around you know the nineteen hundred. Uh, times and um, uh, and I would say as I flip through these pages that there's an attempt to and I would say an honest attempt to restore a perspec- I guess the perspective of being a native person um, and you know really our protagonist uh, the lenses through whom we see the the, we meet the other characters and we sort of get to know, you know, our, uh, what do you call it? Our, our stand-in, you know, Uh, is, is Esteban, is this um, Indian boy. Um, And and he's quite sympathetic and quite heroic um, in the sort of standard way that uh, the, the hero journey of such a young man embarking in, you know, a kind of, uh, a kind of, entering a different world you know that that he is uh he's our protagonist uh we root for him uh he's super sympathetic without becoming you know sort of hyper angelic um and uh and i think the the treatment of the sailors and of the circumstances of what they do and how they do it uh you know there's a good measure of 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 ambiguity um sometimes they seem um abusive and dark and sometimes they their humanity really shines through and i think by by you know the second volume you've sort of taken for granted that these are people living in their times who speak and talk and act and work the way that you would through those times and certainly there's things that are uh, dangled out there that you can be critical about um from from modern lenses and um and there's no apology made for them and so i i think that what's going on here is i want to tell the same kind of uh you know sort of um fulsome adventure that you could tell in 1932 about sailors in a pulp novel Uh, let's say a really a really high quality pulp novel (laughs) um I want to tell that story, but I have to tell that story with with an acknowledgement, a reference, even a slight subversion, because of switching the perspective through whom we see the story. Uh, a slight subversion of that of that narrative, especially insofar as it, you know, uh, extends and exacerbates. Uh, uh, I don't know this <laughs> racist. <laughs> a racist story. Let's not do that. Um, And instead, I think what we have here is we have, I don't know, just I think a a fun, frank uh, view of life in the ocean and what, what that would mean. So they're on one of these uh, ships. I am revealing my nautical ignorance here. It's, you know, it's a ship with sails, <laughs> the way that you envision a ship from the 19th century, the end of the 19th century. Um, a clipper, maybe? <laughs> that's a basketball team? I don't know. Um, but there's also in the Spectre, in the first volume, a steam-powered ship, maybe. Uh, certainly one that's ashy and industrial-looking. And I think that represents the sort of threat of um, mo- modernity that's just kind of uh, uh, you know competing with this ship for access to the seas and uh, for what's coming. And so, you know, I think our, our heroes here are meant to represent a certain sort of pre-modern, you know, pre-industrial, let's say, uh, purity, you know. In their adventure, they're they're um <laughs> they're independent and wild. The captain is kind of one of these uh you know crazy crazy eyed wild men who uh, you know leads his uh, crew r- uh, almost recklessly into adventure and into into danger. Um, and Esteban has to prove himself among these these uh, these uh, these sailors and it's, uh, it's fun. It's fun to watch. Um, the art is uh, gorgeous, as I said. Um, I mean, I think what we have here, it's funny, I'm flipping, I'm looking at these oceans, and there's something that reminds me a lot of, of Japanese art in the way that these oceans are drawn, but uh, your characters, I mean, it's fun. Uh, I think this is, this connects to what I was, talking about earlier in, in terms of questions of representation and what you incorporate you know um the captain these uh, european origin sailors they all sort of have a um i mean they remind me a little bit of those milton kniff comic strips and the kind of uh you know not the steve canyon handsome guy but more of the sort of rough and rugged uh Uh, slightly exaggerated, real craggly-faced kinds of characters that you'd run into. Uh, While Esteban and the other native characters have this uh, sort of circular... (laughs) It's a black circle for eyes, um, almost like a bead. And I think that's a kind of um, representation of, you know, physiognomic differences. Uh, but I, I think there's also a sense that these, that, uh, these sailors are almost caricature and, um, and I think there's something very clean and, um, simple about Esteban's face that we're meant to be able to find our way, um, into his perspective, um, to identify with him, uh, in the, in the, in the way that he's simply drawn, um, but, you know, apart from that, there's, you know, gorgeous drawings of whales, uh, of ships, and, you know, there's a ton of fluidity. You, you can almost get uh, seasick. No, not really. Um, you, you, you get wrapped up in Esteban's storytelling abilities. I think that's a feature of the story that, um, that, that becomes revealed, is that he, he's got stories to tell. And part of what makes him appeal... Uh, i 'm giving it a little a little bit away, but he, he becomes a, a a character a figure that uh, that his shipmates enjoy <laughs> and so it's it 's really his storytelling ability uh, that that um, you know endears endears him to them and uh, when he 's telling stories, the lilt in his voice is almost audible through the uh, the um, you know, the expression on his face and, and the movement of his fingers and the sort of brief glimpses that we see of the background of the story. Um, it's it's just really well drawn. Um, I, I, f- I think there's a technical proficiency that I haven't read any other work by Bonhomme, but he's, uh, I think he's he's got a, a good reputation. He's said to be a quite accomplished artist. Um, and, and I think he does it. Um, so, uh, you know, Still got to finish reading uh, the the latest two, one and a half volumes of this book. But look, if all you ever read is American comics, um, or even if you have uh, found your way to manga, never read European comics, I got to say that uh, <laughs> I've had a very non-systematic um, induction into <laughs> what BD is about. You know, I've read uh, what's this called, Mortimer and... Uh, uh, the other guy and uh, you know like of course Tintin and it's just really all kinds of stuff and, and from all kinds of eras and and I just have probably the vaguest sense of the relationship between different creators and different countries and and all that kind of stuff and there's a there's a little bit of swearing in this book and there's always stuff in European comics that to me is a little questionable in the you know in the exploitation of women and stuff like that not all European comics, and, and not here, but I just mean in general. I, I guess what I'm saying is, if you haven't read any European comics, Europe Comics is something worth checking out. And um, and I, I think I'm going to try to keep adding things to my list in the future from them. Uh, I'll try to cover it here. I'll try to give my take. Um, I would say Esteban, as a series, is a high recommendation for me. Uh, and... Uh, um, I think if you are, I mean, if you read Tintin and you liked it, if there's still a taste in your mouth that you want, that you have a sense that European comics have a way of um, illustrating adventure without as much, you know, bondage to, (laughs) bondage, there's a lot of bondage, Uh, (laughs) as much uh, being forcefully tied to, you know, the superhero genre, or even just other genres that I think American comics seem like they have to, you know, uh, really uh, attach themselves to, then you should check out this book. And you know what? If you like this book, there's another book. uh, It's actually maybe a similar age uh, or even younger, published by Oni Press by cartoonist Ben Towle, T-O-W-L-E, called Oyster War. That's also worth checking out. Similar, uh, uh, quite different... um, place but maybe somewhat similar time also about sailors in that case uh, I think they're oyster fishers in the on the uh, Boston area <laughs> again showing my geographical ignorance all right well that's this has been the daily Paul list and uh, thanks for listening I'll be here every day as much as I can and tomorrow uh, being Thursday is is the Thursday throwback so I'm going to be covering a book from a long long time ago. I think I'm probably going to be talking about the uh, Nexus series um, from, uh, by Steve Barron and uh, by uh, Mike Barron and Steve Root and uh, republished by Dark Horse and a whole bunch of omnibuy that I'm still making my way through, but I'll talk about those books. And until then, take care and keep reading.